1: The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I'm many things and many people. I am the nation. I'm 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I'm Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shocker around the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain, David Crockett.
0: Coming to you from the D-TOM studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Makers Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread America. your host, the one and only Don Q. Today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Sorry about yesterday, guys, but here we go. How's everybody doing that? there today? like I said, Tuesday, a rare Tuesday sighting by the PCGC. Like I told you guys on Friday, had daughter's appointments. Actually, that was, well, you heard the show Friday. I actually recorded that on uh, Thursday because so I had daughter's appointment Friday. Couldn't get a show done for Monday because, you know, Mother's Day, right? And then yesterday I was in Tampa, so here I am now the question is what are we going to talk about all right so obviously we had some breaking news last night and i'll get to that in just a minute here um not really going to uh focus on it to be honest with you mainly because well i'll tell you in a second and then uh so i did put together a show for today because i'll be back again tomorrow on wednesday for yet another show i promise you i'm just really trying to stick to my promise of three days three shows a week and uh if they have to be tuesday wednesday friday or monday you know whatever it is um i'm gonna try and do it as long as i have something to talk about now i could have been lazy and just said "fuck it i'll just do this show on wednesday and you know it is what it is but uh this this won't be a very long show you know, might be an hour, two, three. I don't know. We'll see. No. I don't. I don't propose I'll go too long unless I start ranting, which has been known to happen once or twice. And uh, so, it's just just some things I've been thinking about, and the world we live in today, especially in this country, with everything going on. And um, so, I figured it'd be something to talk about and have a good discussion about and here we go so let's talk about our our other sponsor to the show real quick christian lawson watches check them out at christianlawson.com make sure to use promo code DTom at checkout to get 30 percent off your purchase price now you already missed the boat on mother's day but uh moms and and wives and whatever out there you could uh, you could show your husband up and get them a watch for father's day that's right around the corner Make sure to go to ChristianLawson.com, use promo code DTOM to get 30% off your purchase price. All right. Also, guys, make sure whatever podcast app you're listening to this on that you go ahead and follow the show, subscribe. It doesn't cost you a dime, it is 100% free. You're welcome. Um, I will not be one of those podcasts that ever try to start a Patreon or start charging or anything like that. What I'm going to do, what what I would like to do if I could ever find the time is maybe start a merch store. But that does take some time to do. And I am yet but one person. I mean, I have the executive producer, Christopher J. McGillicuddy. But he's more of a part-time kind of situation. You know, I can't afford to really pay him full-time wage, so... <laughs> but uh, anyway, make sure you're following us there. Uh, big things to come, hopefully, shortly. And uh, make sure you follow us on social media. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, or the Ticker Talker, check us out at Don't Tread on America. If you're on the Twitter machine, we're at DTOM1775. And if you're not on any of the social media websites, that's fine. I do not blame you. You can check us out at our website, don'ttreadonmerica.com, from any of those situations you can reach us you can message us you can email the show any questions concerns articles from your area and uh we will do our best to cover what we feel is is uh appropriate to be covered on this show i don't know if those are the words i'm looking for but those are the words i said so there you go all right, so a couple of things before I get into the crux of the show, I'm going to touch on some breaking news that hit last night, and you guys have probably already heard about this. So it's not not that I'm breaking anything that you haven't already heard about, but I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, real quick because this is what I think of what broke last night. News of the obvious with your host PCGC. That's right. So. As you guys are probably well aware, well aware, the Durham report broke last night. Big fucking deal. Because everything that was said in the Durham report, all the parties involved, the FBI, so on and so forth, we knew. We knew it. Okay? And this is why I'm not going to worry about talking about this a whole hell of a lot, at least right now. Maybe tomorrow or Friday as more things develop, we'll see. But as of right now, the things that were released is everything we knew about the Clinton campaign, everything we knew about the FBI, everything we knew about the lawyers from uh, Coe and uh, Danchenko and all the parties involved. All the stuff we already knew happened. We knew this. It's not breaking news. It's just finalized news, right? And here's why I really give two shits about it. Much like I'm about to the point with Biden and the Hunter Laptop situation. This is what's going to happen. The Durham report is out. It's official. Okay? Official. He went through all this. This is this and this is that. But he doesn't re- doesn't uh, say uh, anything about pressing charges. He says no no charges should be filed. So you mean to tell me all these people. I don't give a fuck who they are. I don't care that they're Hillary Clinton or Bob Johnson. I don't care. All these people broke the law, right? We know they broke the law. You know they broke the law, but you say no files should, no charges should be filed. So that's number one why on the list of why I don't give a shit about this Durham report. The second thing that's going to happen is this. You're going to have Republicans in Congress. They're going to start a committee on the Durham report. And they're going to subpoena this person, they're going to subpoena that person, they're going to talk to Durham, they're going to talk to all the parties involved, and guess what? Not a goddamn thing's going to happen, okay? Much like the Hunter Laptop situation. Once again, shit we knew two plus years ago, right? And here we are talking about what was and what wasn't and what did and what didn't. The fact of the matter is, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, uh, Brennan, Comey... Obama, and keep naming names, are all responsible for these two things. Both of these things coincide, in my opinion, with each other. They're just four years apart. Okay? The fact of the matter is this. Nothing is going to happen. They're going to talk. You're going to watch whatever new. Because if you watch CNN or MSNBC, what are they saying? Oh, it's a much ado about nothing, you know, no charges filed, you know, whatever. And on Fox and Newsmax and those channels, it's an atrocity and people should be sentenced and people should be going to jail. I agree. But we knew this, what was it, six years ago. We knew this. This isn't breaking news. That's why I've already spent seven minutes on... This topic that I really shouldn't even wasted my time with. Because it's a no-news event. Now, mind you, is it over? Am I done talking about the Durham report? Probably, but maybe not. And the reason I say maybe not is, what if something comes of this? Then obviously I'm going to have to talk about it. But I'm not going to sit here and waste your time talking about the Durham report of shit we've known for the last six plus years. Much like I'm not going to sit here and do a show dedicated to Hunter Biden's laptop of shit that we knew two plus years ago. I'm not doing it because the Congress, the people in the committees are wasting our time, wasting your time. It's just a way for Fox to have an opinion, CNN to have an opinion and get their people to follow them and be pissed off and be pissed. If you're a Republican and uh, sorry, I got something on my microphone if you're a republican and uh and you're pissed off about this which you should be and you should have been pissed off about this cool you're going to continue to be pissed off about it if you're a democrat and you're a diehard liberal and you're not pissed off about it because you really don't give a shit then you're still going to continue to not really give a shit and the argument's going to say oh this is bullshit that Hillary got away with this. And the people on the other side are going to be like, what are you talking about? She didn't do anything. What are you talking about? They proved it. It was no big deal. They, they didn't press charges. So obviously it wasn't a big deal. And it's just more division. It's just one more thing to get us pissed off at each other. And you and I have nothing to do with it. These people are playing with our emotions. Okay? They're playing with our emotions to pit you against me your mom against your you your aunt against you know what i'm saying this this has nothing to do with them because if that was you or me that did the things hillary clinton did we would be in jail if it was you or me that did the things that hunter biden did we would be in jail we wouldn't even be having this conversation. There would be no conversation to be had. It would be like Don Q from uh, Parts Unknown in Florida uh, got arrested for banging hookers and snorting coco- uh, crack cocaine off uh, a hookers back. Hmm. News 11. Boom. It's a no story. It's a no story. All right. Done. All right, here we go. So my question is, well, it's not really a question. It's a statement. This story is going to be, or this show is going to be, about the red-blooded American man. And what happened to him. And I know you're saying, I'm right here, dude. I'm right here. I get you. I get you. But (laughs) we ain't them. So I'm sure you've heard this phrase before. Hard times make strong men strong men make good times good times make weak men and weak men make hard times so of those four sayings where do you think we are right now we're in the weak men make hard times in my opinion that's we're at that phase now i guess the good thing could be possibly that the next go around will be hard times make strong men (laughs) and then strong men make good times but if you think about it think of the recent history of this country hard times make strong men so what what could we reference that to World War II right I think that's safe to say say what you want about the false flags and different situations that may or may not have occurred Um, the fact of the matter is, World War II happened. A lot of people died, and there was a lot of brave motherfuckers that did some serious things over there. Okay? You can't deny that. You can We can have an argument about why they were there to begin with. That's fine. But they were there. And then you can jump into Korea and Vietnam, and you can have arguments as to why we were there. I'm, I'm fine with that. But you can't deny the fact that the people that were there, the grunts... The 18, 19, 20-year-olds that were getting their sh- the shit kicked out of them were there, right? Those people, especially from World War II, strong men made good times. You figure into the late 40s, into the 50s, and the 60s was, was good times in this country, okay? Then those good times created weak men. And you could even probably say we're in phase two of this. And what I mean by that is this. If you say the, the World War II was hard times, made strong men, into the 50s, good times, into the 60s and 70s, uh, the good times made weak men into that era. And then into the late 70s, made hard times, right? It was hard times in the late 70s. I mean, I was just a wee lad. But those of you that are older, the mid to late 70s was tough. We're kind of going through that same situation now. So then you would say, okay, well, Don, where are we at? Okay, so during the hard times in the late 70s, we created strong men. People like me. You know, like you. People that are in their 50s, 60s. Okay? And those people went through situations in the late 80s, early 90s, right? Right? If you went to Desert Storm, if you were involved in any of those situations, Afghanistan, um, you may, what we've we've come to, I don't feel this way because I don't feel this way about my son, but we can see that through our country, at least, this is an American thing. I'm not saying this. That the whole world doesn't have this same issue, but I'm focusing right now on America. So the people of, that were born in the 70s um, went through the 80s, went through the 90s, and you might have fought in some wars. And uh, you guys might have produced some weak men for whatever reason, whether it was your wives or yourself. Maybe you, I think it has a tendency of when, when you're a person, it goes through hard times. Okay, and you and you make yourself a strong man going through those hard times, right? You don't want to see your kids go through those hard times, right? But by doing so, we have a tendency to make those men—and I'm saying men—but I mean females also. But you make them weak, you make them soft, you make them look at the problems we're having nowadays with kids in general and i say kids i'm not talking about like little four and five year old kids i'm talking teenagers 20 year olds okay so this was a josh holly he was on with um mark levin the other day and this is what he had to say
1: the ideology of the left now and for decades now has been that there's something inherently wrong with masculinity. And so they want to educate our kids out of it. Listen, I got two little boys at home, they're 10 and eight now, and I write about them in the book. And you know you look at what our kids are taught in schools. I mean, from the time they go to preschool, for heaven's sake, they're taught that all, oh, if, if they're a boy, if they want to be aggressive, if they want to talk about guns, oh that's bad. They need to be medicated, they need to be quieted down. When they get a little older, they're taught that, that manhood is inherently dangerous, that it contributes to climate change. That they need to renounce their masculinity, and you see this ideology—it suffuses, permeates our media, our culture—all driven by the left. And then we wonder why is it that more and more men are not pursuing education, more and more men are not pursuing work. We've got to tell the truth, which is that we need strong men in this country. We need them to go out there and work. We need them to start a family. We need them to provide. And if you want to change America for the better, get men. To be strong again, to take on their responsibilities, and to be leaders. So, I mean, agree, right? And
0: we, and I would even say this happened during my generation. We were taught, at least I was. You need an education. You need to go to school. You need it. You need to do this. You need to do that. You don't want to be digging ditches. You don't want to be doing this. You don't want to be doing that. Here's the thing about that. Plumbers, AC technicians, um, septic tank <laughs> workers—you know, whatever you want to call these these individuals, these getter duns, so to speak. AI cannot replace that. Okay, yeah. Oh, maybe robots. Okay, maybe, but I mean, realistically, and those people. You know, guys and some girls that, that do these types of jobs. Okay, you live in Florida. If you live in Florida, your AC goes out. You calling the the computer repair man? No. Right? You're going to call some dude that's going to climb his happy ass up in the attic where it's probably 100 and something degrees to fix your AC. And God thank him for doing so. Those individuals get paid. Plumbers, you're... You know, whatever something breaks in your in your house, and it's a Saturday, and you got to call the the plumber. He's getting paid, okay? These people make plenty of money money doing what they do, and it's well deserved. <coughs> AC re- or uh, refrigerator repairman. You know those. <sighs> what the fuck? I swear to God, these phones always listening to phones. Right? Last show, right? And we just talk about that <laughs> it's like looking up an AC repairman anyway um, that was funny uh, book learning I mean obviously we need doctors we need dentists we need we need those people too I'm not denying that you should or shouldn't go to school but don't say yourself short you know um, we're hearing a lot of things about unemployment. And, 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 and unemployment's, you know, not bad. Unemployment's not bad. Well, it's not that it's not bad. It's that people have stopped looking for work. So, you have to ask the question, what happened to masculinity? Okay? The entertainment industry often uses fathers as comment reliefs. In TV shows and movies, fathers are often portrayed as foolish and childish Families are held together by the strength and wisdom of the mother, despite the antics of the foolish father. Of course, there's nothing wrong with mothers having strength of character and wisdom. However, the Bible teaches that fathers are to be leaders, characterized by love, service, and integrity. But this is not only way the male role is being downgraded and changed in today's world. In fact, manhood and uh, masculinity in general are in crisis. So where are all the guys? Okay, before, um, <laughs> before before I keep going here, I wanted to point out something. And and here's the thing. <clears throat> like I said, I have a son. He's 27 years old. Okay. If if and and this might strike a nerve with some people. Okay. If your son. And daughter, you should raise your daughter. I'm not saying you should raise your daughter to be a son. You shouldn't raise your daughter to need a man, right? But you should raise your daughter to want a man, okay? And as a as a female, I would think that I would want my man. I would want to be able to feel safe, okay? Against people that might do harm. Words are not going to always work in certain situations. So, what are you going to do? Um, I raised both of my kids with that sense to be able to protect themselves, my daughter included, um, and protect the people around you. Okay? And, and not, not only just your family, but people around you in general. If you're on a subway and someone's acting a fool, maybe you should step in. And I'll get into that here in a little bit. But um, st- statistics demonstrate that anecdotal observations, according to an article... In the uh, issue of Christian Science Monitor Weekly, on average, in the K-12 system, boys earn lower grades and spend less time studying than girls. And, uh, much like Holly just said, men are missing from college campuses. Men are disappearing from higher education, according to the Brookings Institute in the U.S. In 2019, over 1.1 million women graduated with a bachelor's degree compared to fewer than 860,000 men at entry level. From associate degrees to doctorate degrees, women are graduating in higher numbers than men. In the U.S., colleges are 59.5% female to 40.5% male. In the U.K., colleges are 56.6% female with 44% male. So it's obviously not just an American problem. We also see other troubling trends among males, increasing celebration of homosexuality, gender bending, and the example of males in media having have led to the feminization of many boys. Just walk into any large American high school, and you will encounter boys who dress and act fem, feminine, with many openly declaring their homosexuality or bisexuality. But bisexuality. So, where have all the men gone? So, we you know I've got three causes what we what I believe are three causes of this crisis video games and media now before we get into it my son played video games most boys played I played video games okay now if if you're like me and you grew up in the state of Florida okay which a lot of our listeners are from Florida so that's kind of what I'm talking to but if you grew up in the south okay in the state of Florida you guys know this. It's generally going outside weather every day. Okay? Granted, it's hot in the summer. I get it. But you're outside. The only time when I was a kid, now we, granted, it, the video games weren't as cool as they are nowadays. We didn't have the Xboxes and PlayStation 5 or whatever the hell's out now. But we had video games. You know, we had Coleco. Now. Well, we had, uh, when I was a teenager, we had uh, Nintendo, right? And then that gradually turned into Sega and whatever. So, I mean, granted, the video games weren't nothing like compared to what they are today, but nonetheless had them. Now, did we spend all day on video games? Now, mind you, I will also argue against myself and say that. We didn't have internet. We didn't have the capabilities that you have nowadays to play video games with anybody around the world. Cool. But my point being is this the only time we played those video games was if it was raining or we were spending a night at a buddy's house and it was at night. We were outside. Okay. So, like I said, before I read on this, this is just my perspective. So why do you think that is? Okay, so when I was a kid, my parents, both my parents worked. Okay. So, you know, you get out of school, you're home by like three, two, you know, what what was it? 2:30, 3 o'clock, we were home. The rules in our house was you have to get your homework done before you can do anything else. Cool. So you come home, you do your homework, unless you were able to finish it in school, whatever. And then you went and hung out with your buddies. And then and you know in the summertime it doesn't get dark down here till eight thirty. I mean generally it had to be on before then because you had to eat dinner and take a sh- you know take a shower or whatever. And during the summertime, forget about it. <laughs> you didn't come home till the fucking streetlights came on, and and you hear people say that, and I'm telling you that's the truth. That's how it was. But I live in the neighborhood I live in now has kids in it i mean it's not like i'm living in a retirement community there's kids because i see them going to school but <laughs> it's uh right now as i'm recording it's two thirty. i guarantee you i go outside there's no one outside there's no one riding bikes so why why is that it's your fault wait why is it my fault it's because you have parents I'm not going to just point at the mothers. I'm going to point at the parents that won't let little Susie and Johnny go outside when they're not home because they're afraid. Now, back in back in my day, we didn't have cell phones, right? You knew, okay, it, you need to be home by five. You need to be home by six, whatever the time was. You need to be home when the streetlights come on, right? There wasn't a... I'll call you when dinner's ready. I mean, hell, I lived in a small town. So nine times out of 10, I was literally within earshot of the house and I would get the, I, I won't yell, but I'd get the yell, oh shit, I gotta go. You know, seriously. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just how it was. Now, nowadays, we're so afraid to let our kids go outside and play without supervision. And it it boggles the mind. Most kids nowadays have cell phones, right? I'm not saying all of them, but most of them do. Okay? (laughs) Hey, Mom, after school, I'm going to go hang out with, you know, Billy and and Jimmy. Okay, well, you know, just call me if you're going to be, you know, just, you know, keep in touch. And Mom might text you, how's everything? Are you safe? You know? The problem is we got too many worry work, what do they call them? Uh, helicopter parents or whatever. We got too many people worrying about stuff that <laughs> they shouldn't be worried about. They're, we see a lot of stuff on the news. You hear about kids being abducted. You hear about these things. I get it. But if that's how you're going to live your life as a scared parent, what do you think you're doing to your kid? You're making a scared child. Okay? And then they're going to be even worse to their kids, and it's going to matriculate. So, video games and media. Boys and young adults, guys, have, and even grown men, spend an inordinate amount of times playing video games and consuming media. Now, what they mean by media is not news, it's social media, whether it's Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Those statistics on excessive gaming are nearly impossible to gather. It's becoming clear to many that video game addiction is a major societal problem, mainly impacting males. Some of the unintended consequences of excessive gaming and media consumption are they spend less time on productive pursuits, such as study, recreation, and healthy social interaction become dissensitive to violence, and uh, become disconnected from the quote-unquote real world. Now, I want to go back real quick to the part where they were talking about the school percentages, the 59% female, so on and so forth. Once again, I remember a clip that I saw, and for the life of me, it just came to me in my head. And it was it was a black gentleman who's a doctor. He's I think he's a psychiatrist, some something to that effect. Psychologist, sociologist, whatever he is. But he has a doctorate in such study. Black man was on a show, was on a radio show. I want to say it was uh, what's his name, Charmaine, Charlemagne the God, or something like that. And they were talking about schooling with with men. Young males, not necessarily black males, but just males in general. And he had said, and I'm paraphrasing here, so pardon me if I if I'm not a hundred percent, but it was something to the effect of Um, you have to get an education, you have to go to school, you have to do this, you have to do that. So he did. He went to school, he got his doctorate in whatever he whatever his study was. Like I said, I think it was psychiatry, but I'm not a hundred percent. But nonetheless, what do you do with it? You know? there's not a lot of people, I think his words were, there's not a lot of brothers that are going to come talk to me about their problems. Now, I guess you could make the argument to this gentleman that why did you go into that study, whatever. But I guess that's a question you can ask most people that go to school. There's a lot of people, the 59% female and 40-whatever-percent male that, that graduate or go to college or whatever, how many of those people, Women or men have degrees in something sustainable. How many of those people have a degree in something that they're earning money, a, a substantial amount of money? Uh, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I mean, take teachers, for example. You have teachers, you go to school, you go to four years of college, and it you cost, you know, cost you a hundred grand or so to go to college to become a teacher to make 40 grand a year right i mean you have to really love being a teacher to want to make that kind of money or that little of money another reason is missing fathers now this could also flash back to weak men okay if if let me let me read this real quick increasing numbers of children are growing up without fathers in the home The largest cause of the problem is births to unwed mothers. In 2019, 40% of all births were to unmarried mothers. Even those children born to married couples, about half of them will see their parents divorced before the age of 18. Of course, not having a father at home doesn't automatically mean a boy will grow up in a serious problem, but it can be a major factor for some. Now, my kids, when I, my first wife, we got divorced. My son was, I think, six. My daughter was nine. So, true and that's that's probably true um and about half of them will be to you know divorced before the kids are 18 that's probably not even it's probably a higher number in all honesty the difference is is what do you do as a man when me and my wife got divorced i made it my mission to be able to spend as much time as i possibly could with my kids so i saw them once a year no i'm joking. <laughs> so forget the every other weekend crap and once a week or whatever it was I you know if it was every other weekend I saw him then I saw him more I saw him after school you know my son played sports so he played baseball and football so pretty much the whole course of the year he was playing some sort of sport um so he had practices he had games I coached both sides of that so I was involved my daughter cheerleaded my daughter was in band she, you know she did stuff so i made sure i was involved right so getting divorced or being getting a, a a woman your girlfriend or whatever pregnant doesn't mean you have to be an uninvolved father um so you need to <laughs> if you're going to play the game so to speak you need to step up to the plate and be a dad Lack of strong, positive male role models. That goes back to the missing fathers. So be a father. Be a father to these kids. Now, I'm not just talking about male kids. I'm talking about your children, male or female. That's right. There's, there's only the two. I think a lot of the problems we see with kids, and I'm not just focusing on male kids, just kids in general is the fact that we don't tell them no there isn't that father figure um there's too much we we just take the easy way out on everything whether it's preoccupying the child with tv or video games or youtube or whatever the case may be to keep them out of your hair we've got to quit doing that because we're not helping ourselves. We talk about, you see in the news, you, you hear them talking about Social Security. Social Security is going away. we are got to get rid of it. The problem is, is you're taking Social Security away from people who, you know, all of us earn it. But like, take me for example. I'm not to that point yet, but I've paid into the system. That money is mine. You know what I'm saying? the reason we're having the issues we're having is because the younger generations are purging the system. We in in this country have a problem with saying no. No. No, you can't have that. You know, it just it just simply amazes me. I'm not sitting here trying to lecture you guys and say I'm the best parent in the world. But I am pretty damn good now. Um I think the key is, is spending time with your kids, okay? As much time as you possibly can. I know you work, some of you guys might work two jobs. I've been there. Trust me, okay? I get it. So, if, um, if you have that one day, that one afternoon, you might be tired, The little things that your kids see is what they learn. Okay. And it's very important that we get back to raising men and women for that matter. And I think by being a good male role model to your kids, a good father to your kids, is important to both the man... male and the female because if you're a good father you could be a shitty husband i mean whatever you could be divorced you know me and my wife are divorced and we've been divorced for 21 years or so and us being divorced had nothing to do with the kids had nothing to do with them it was a simple situation of um we got married when we were 19 dated through high school you know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to make excuses, but it is what it is. Um, that was probably my one negative role model or whatever I portrayed to my kids, possibly. So, obviously, you want your kids to grow up like you, but you don't want them to make the same mistakes as you. But you've got to be assertive okay like my son for example like i said he played video games he played sports he did stuff he went out with his friends but occasionally he'd play video games and that was fine uh but we had situations where and i think i've probably told this story before but it was like look bro you gotta take out the garbage all right let me finish this game real quick okay cool watching tv 30 minutes goes by um you're going to take the garbage out? Oh, shit. Yeah, I just started another game. I'd go to the freaking circuit breaker and cut a cir- uh, the power off to his room. Because, you know, sometimes you have to be a dick. My phrase is this. And I'm claiming this phrase because I've never heard anyone else say it. But this is, this is an exclusive. So you guys can use it if you so choose. We raise kids to be adults. We don't raise them to be our friends. Okay? In the long run, your kids will respect you more if you discipline them. I'm not saying you got to beat the shit out of them. Okay? But we raise kids to be adults. We have but 18 years to get it right. Your kids are going to (laughs) live. Hopefully, another 60, 70, whatever years past that. You have 18 years... To get it right. Okay. Now that's not to say when they turn 18. You're done. You can still counsel them. You can still. You're obviously still their parent. You can still help them. Along the along the way. With uh, you know advice. And, and your knowledge. And stuff like that. But. It's those 18 years. Because if you fuck it up in those 18 years. They can resent the hell out of you. And you might not have a relationship with them after that. So get it right, guys. If you're listening to this and you have children that are younger, it's not too late. You can fix it. If you're divorced, if you're not divorced, the issues you might have with your wife or your ex-wife have nothing to do with those kids. You can fix it. So all right a couple other things real quick i want to cover um this broke on friday i think it was twitter and elon musk um she he's evidently hiring a new ceo um i don't know that it's been finalized yet but evidently he tweeted this out i'm excited to welcome linda Yarkarino as a new ceo of twitter this was on the 12th so i think that was friday um the problem with this is this this lady worked for i think ms uh nbc or whatever whatever um in the meantime since january 19 or january of 2019 she is part of the wef she's an independent international organization committing to improving the state of the world uh we knew who the WEF is i'm sorry i shouldn't have read that <laughs> you are carino uh, Yacarino, whatever, is the chairman of the WEF's task force on the future of work, and sits on the WEF's media and entertainment culture. So this is not someone that you need for Twitter. Ultimately, whatever. I don't really. Use, I mean, I do kind of use Twitter in the sense of it helps you find stuff to talk about. But um, those things will come f- far and few between if this is, if this is true. So I guess that remains to be seen. All right, so I wanted to touch base on this whole Jordan Neely, Daniel Penny situation from New York. And the thing that got me thinking about this was Jordan Neely. Okay, so he was the, he was the guy that was put in the chokehold by Daniel Penny. So obviously Daniel Penny was just arraigned on, I think it was manslaughter charges the other day. Uh, he his lawyers started a go or I think that's a give send go situation, but nonetheless, last I heard it was over two million dollars. So good on you. That'll help with his legal funds. And he's not doing it for profit because if I read that right, it was uh, at the time it was two point two million for his legal defense. Anything over anything extra, I should say, that's left over. They're donating to homeless vets. I think was was the situation, but nonetheless, so it's not like it's for a profit. Not like if 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 you give money to this situation, that uh, let's say he gets four million dollars, <throat> and it cost you know two point five to defend him, whatever. It's not like he's gonna profit one point five million. That's going to charity, which is fine. So if you have the money, uh, please donate. Um, I've got one other thing to say after I finish talking about this, so don't don't let me forget. Um, but my question is this: So, Jordan, what what we were initially told about Jordan Neely? Let's we'll talk about the situation in the subway. So, essentially, we were told this guy was acting out. He was saying he was afraid to die. He was bothering passengers, and Daniel uh, Penny put him in a chokehold. There was two other uh, onlookers that assisted. Daniel Penny uh, with this by holding the the Jordan down. Now, of course, they were not charged. It was just Daniel uh, Penny. Um, Not that I'm saying they should be charged. I don't think any of them should be charged. But why weren't they charged? Mm, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. But whatever, whatever. He was put in a... Mike Brown type, no, it wasn't Mike Brown. Who was the one that was hands up? Um, I, you know, whatever. He, he, they he murdered this kid. No, I'm joking. He was put in a simple chokehold to the point where then even after he let him go, him and the two other people involved rolled the uh, Jordan over to a recovery position to help him because he was still he was still alive. And then whatever happened, that he died. Um. So what we know of Jordan Neely was right. that. He was um, a homeless kid. I say kid. He was 30. But um, I think the thing that bothers me the most is this. Okay, so before I read this story, the article here, I want to say this. And this is what pisses me off about this whole situation. The fact that this kid, I'm going to call him a kid because he's 30. So I've got 30-year-old kids. So he's a kid. The thing that pisses me off about this whole situation isn't the fact that this kid is dead. Okay? He was obviously acting a fool. Okay? Did he deserve to die because of that? Maybe not. But I'll say this about that. I think he had 40-some-odd arrests. Now, granted, I would assume Daniel Penny didn't know that. Um, But if Daniel Penny is a frequenter on the subway amongst all the other people that are frequent okay so if you live in new york city you can you can vouch for this or if you live in a city where you take a bus on a regular if you personally take a bus to get to work get to wherever you're going or if you live in a city that has a subway system and you take that on a frequent basis to get to and from work or wherever you're going which is like new york and chicago and boston and these places you might not have a car because it's just as easy to get around on the train. I get that. When we went to New York to visit, we took the train up the Yankee Stadium. I get it. So if you're a person that does this, whether it's a bus or, or a train, and that's how you get around, you're on the same bus at the same time or the same train at the same time, right? In the same area, going to the same direction. So you probably, over time... Get familiar with other people on the train. Oh, there's there's Julie over there. She's going to work. There's Billy. He's going to work. Oh, there's old Sam. He, you know, what I'm saying you get familiar with these people because you're on there every day with them because they're the same people that's on there. I'm not saying all, you know, 200 people or whatever that's on the train. You know, but you might know 10, 20 of them, right? Along with Jordan Ely, you might be aware of this guy. Because he was in this area all the time, doing his Michael Jackson thing all the time. Probably, I mean, 40-some-odd arrests had to do with violence on, on in, or around the subway system. So, you probably... I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here, but you probably had people on this train. And hopefully this will come out in court. But you probably had people on this train that knew... ...who Jordan Neely was. Not knew him like they hung out with him... ...but just knew who he was. And then knew how he was. And Jordan Neely in turn... ...probably knew some of these people. And knew he could probably intimidate... ...those people by saying the things he was saying. Whether Daniel Penny... ...was one of those people... ...or he just got sick of the bullshit... ...and yoked him up... ...very well could be too... I think the thing that pisses me off the most about this is this kid was homeless. He obviously had issues, and I'm going to go into that here in a second. Where was his family at? So, 10 years prior to him being killed, he had a stable routine. Every morning, he would wake, he would uh, walk across Washington Bridge connecting the Bronx to upper Manhattan in his red Michael Jackson jacket. He was easy to see coming. When he got to the corner on 181st Street, he'd meet Joni Espinal, a local resident who befriended Neely after recognizing him from online videos. He'd hang out and do a little bit of pre-dancing, get money to go downtown. Espinal recalls the two of them would then take train together. Espinal to his job in lower Manhattan. Neely to dance for subway passengers. Everyone loved him, he said. The young dancer would sometimes look very downtrodden, very sweaty, and real dejected, like he had a rough Night before, Espinall says, but Neely acted like everything was normal. Espinall didn't want to pry. Neely was very shy. I doesn't make sense. I I don't know that you could be a street performer yet be shy, but whatever. Um, in reality, Neely. Was, so here's here's the reality of Jordan Neely. He was struggling to stay afloat after his mother was murdered by step by his stepfather in 20, uh, 2007 Neely was fourteen. He developed severe depression, PTSD, also had autism, and schizophrenia. According to relatives, he bounced between homes before he ended up in the foster care system. So, here's the key. So, his mother was murdered when he was 14 by the stepfather. Once again, flashback. Where was dad? Okay. God help mom. She was murdered. Can't help that. By the stepdad. Where was The real dad. Okay. The kid, regardless of the murder of the mom, had issues if he had autism and schizophrenia. That's something that was, I'm assuming, um, determined prior to his mother being murdered. Now, top that with the murder of his mother causing a depression and PTSD. He bounced between homes. Now, when it says homes, one would assume he's talking about relatives' homes. Was it the dad? Was it... Was it like an aunt, grandmother, whatever the case was? Was he bouncing around from home to home? Why? These are your family members. We couldn't control him. We couldn't whatever. Okay. You couldn't get him help. Instead, you put him in foster care. So you're not and you're not talking about a little child. I mean, 14. You're not talking about a five-year-old. So, he bounced between homes for four years. Within the four-year period between turned before he turned 18, then you ushered him into foster care. So, you have to look. You can't help the mother being murdered. You can't help that this kid had autism and schizophrenia. You could have helped him. The mother could have helped him. But the, quote-unquote, between homes, I'm assuming grandparents aunts, uncles, maybe the real father, I don't know, doesn't specify, but why didn't you guys help him? Instead, you couldn't handle him. You handed him off to foster care, which was as soon as he turned 18, boom, he's done. Okay, in 2013, he started riding the train. He also began crossing paths with the police, telling them he was hearing voices Shortly afterwards he became homeless, slipping into a cycle of mental health crisis, arrested and hospitalized that would come and uh, continue until his death. So you're talking for roughly 10 years, 2013 to 2023, right, where he was he was just killed or he died. Um, he was homeless, he was in and out of the hospital, in and out of jail. So um while the manner of neely's killing has sparked national controversy less than less attition, attention has been paid to how neely slipped into the cra- through the cracks of the new york social safety net nor uh, jordan was reportedly on the top 50 list of city roster of homeless people considered to be the most urgently in need of help you're talking a city of what 10 11 million people now <laughs> i'm going to tell you this if you don't know this i'm not this is, it is what it is. If you are unaware of this. So, New York City has, what, 10, 11 million people. Right? A lot of the people that live there are homeless. Now, I'm not saying that in a sense that there's a lot of people on the street corners begging for food. Now, and what I say mean by that is this. When we were in New York visiting, we would take the, uh, they had the city, the sightseeing buses, right? So... We're there. We're at whatever the starting point was. We're there. We're waiting for the bus, and then we're waiting for the narrator to show up, and he brings a suitcase with him. The fuck? So someone had said, well, a lot of these people that do these bus tours are homeless people. Now they're working. They're making money doing this, but I don't know if you know this or not, but it's not cheap to live in New York, in New York City, especially. So these people work, yeah, but they're technically homeless. So if this kid was on the top 50 list, not 500, 5,000, or 50,000, top 50, that's a very small percentage that he fit into considering probably the amount of homeless that that are there. And then the thing that really gets me about this whole situation is the family. For... From the time he was 14 when his mother was murdered. Until the time he was 18 when he was kicked out of foster care. You guys... And I'm talking to the family of Jordan Neely. I'm sure they're not listening to this. But whatever. I would be willing to guarantee... These people care two shits about this kid. Okay? But now. Now he's dead. They want to care. Now they want to get lawyers. Now... We want to sue. Now we want Daniel Penny to go to jail for murder. Because your precious nephew, grandson, whatever... Is dead. You did not give two shits... About this kid for the past 14 or 16 years. Now you give a shit? The only reason you give a shit... It's because there's a payday involved. That's what really pisses me off. And nobody wants to call these little motherfuckers out. Why? Why? If I (laughs) had a bigger voice than this, I can guarantee you, I would pray to God I could get an interview with whoever's, quote unquote, in his family that's suing and has attorneys. I would assume has the proper attorneys and I'm throwing up the quotations. I'm like Benjamin, you know, what's in Benjamin Kripe or whatever. You know, because it's gotta be a black and white thing, obviously, right? I hope to God that Daniel Penny gets off scot free and his quote unquote family members of Jordan Neely can go pack sand and then go fuck themselves. Because, like I said, for ten plus years you gave two shits about this kid to give him any help or try and find him help or try and find him a way. now now you care you don't care about this kid you don't give a fucking shit about jordan neely you care about his name and the fact that he was or wasn't murdered by this guy this former marine he's not an ex-marine he's just no longer a marine currently working as <laughs> the marine i should say uh, Did what he did he stood up to protect other people that he didn't know didn't have to protect Because he's a man and he stood up for what he thought was right because there was a person on the train Acting a fool saying he wasn't afraid to die He didn't know who the fuck jordan neely was. He didn't know he had problems He knew he was a problem and you know what he ended the problem now that might be a little harsh, but it is reality. You guys need to get past the fact that Daniel Penny protected his and other people's lives on this train from this guy. I say I keep calling him a kid, I get it. He was 30. Okay? The family members of Jordan Neely, I'm sorry for your loss, but you have no right. You have no right. And for that, I say go fuck yourselves. And with that, I have to say, you guys have a great Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I got a little animated there at the end, but you know, that's what I do animation, right? Anyway, you guys have a great day. It is uh, May 16, 2023. Guys, please make sure whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, you go ahead and follow the show. Make sure you share this with your friends. And uh, if you're on social media, follow us at Don't Tread America. If not, you can check us out at don'treadalamerica.com. And you guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. See you later.